1: Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program where we study the teachings of the Buddha over a seven-month period. On Sundays, we take a chapter in this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment, and I share the teachings from this book in our Sunday classes. And then on Wednesdays, we come together as a group in order to encourage, support and motivate each other in our meditation practice. We meditate together here online on Wednesdays. And then after meditation, we open up to any and all questions that you might have related to the path to enlightenment. Because this path to enlightenment, it's your journey. It's not a competition with any particular person. You are essentially working towards your own inner growth and as you're reading the books that I share, as you're attending the classes that I teach, as you're having personal guidance, as you're reading posts that are made in Facebook and other ways that I share these teachings, There may be certain things that you're challenged with or certain things that you're struggling with and you need help with that. And you can always ask help at any point through posting in Facebook, through sending me a private message, through scheduling personal guidance session, or asking questions in these online classes. And I teach classes on Sunday and Wednesday for the group learning program. And then on Saturdays, there's another program called the Polycanon and English Study Group. So on Wednesdays, we don't have any particular topic that we teach, it's just doing meditation together and then kind of a free for all questions of anything and anything you would like to ask related to the path to enlightenment that's going to help you to progress on your journey closer and closer to enlightenment. So I'd like to welcome all of you, if you've joined us for the first time or you've been joining us regularly, I'd like to welcome all of you and at the same time invite you to join for meditation. Today we're going to be doing breathing mindfulness meditation so this is the primary form of meditation that the buddha taught because it addresses the primary problem in the mind that's causing discontentedness The enlightened mind is going to be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, no longer experiencing any anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, all these other discontent feelings. But it's craving, desire, attachment that's causing that and allowing those discontent feelings to arise. So in breathing mindfulness meditation, you're focusing on the breath. And then whenever the mind moves off the breath, you're cutting that off, letting it go and coming back to the breath. You're not observing the thought, you're not analyzing the thought, you're not judging the thought, you're not trying to figure out where the thought came from. As soon as you observe that there is a thought and that the mind is moved off the breath, you're cutting that off and bringing the mind back to the breath. This is helping to eliminate craving, desire, attachment, where the mind has this mental longing for something with a strong eagerness, chasing after the objects of its affection. Kind of like a wild animal chasing a prey so when your mind moves off the breath and it starts chasing a thought you cut it off and bring it back and this is helping to eliminate craving desire attachment providing you more discipline and control over the mind so that now in daily life when you start observing anger starting to arise and you feel those bodily sensations you can cut it off and bring the mind back to calmness and peacefulness. Or if you feel boredom or loneliness, you can cut that off and bring the mind back. Or if you feel guilt or shame or fear, you can cut that off and bring it back. But this only occurs in the mind after you've accumulated enough benefits. You can't just meditate once and then have this ability to do this in daily life because the craving is too strong. So you accumulate the benefits over many, many sessions that by training the mind that anytime you observe the mind moves off the breath, you can bring it back and bring it back and bring it back and bring it back. You're not trying to actually eliminate the thoughts. You're just gaining this control or this discipline that now that you can use those qualities in daily life. So not only are you eliminating craving, desire, attachment in this meditation, but you're arising the quality of mindfulness or awareness of mind, where you can have awareness of what's going on in the mind at any given time. Because in daily life, if you have this awareness that there's anger that's getting ready to arise, then you can cut it off and let it go. Or if you have this awareness, that frustration or irritation or annoyance or guilt or shame or fear, any of these other discontent feelings, even the pleasant feelings like happiness, excitement, elation, thrill, euphoria, the mind is discontent. Where you observe that with mindfulness or awareness of mind, you cut that off and let it go in daily life and bring the mind back to the present moment rather than allowing the mind to keep chasing like a wild animal and then not only are you arising this mindfulness or awareness of mind but you're developing concentration the ability to stay focused on a single object this is exercising the mind to have singleness of mind because in daily life you might have been training the mind to bounce around from thing to, thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And this is detrimental to your mind and to your practice because the mind lacks the ability to stay focused and concentrated on a single object. So, by focusing on the breath and training the mind to be peaceful and joyful while it's focusing on just one single object, then this helps to exercise the mind so that in daily life you can now use that concentration in your personal relationships, in your professional relationships, and whatever task that you're doing, you can just stay very focused on what it is that you're doing. And now the mind can perform more optimally because you've got this concentration, you've got this mindfulness. Whenever the mind moves away from the present moment and it's starting to have any kind of discontent feelings, you can observe that right away in daily life and cut it off and bring the mind back. So it's exercising or training the mind in breathing mindfulness meditation that provides you the ability to do that. So I'd like to welcome you for this practice and for learning. I'm going to be guiding you in meditation, and then there'll be a period of time where I'll just be completely quiet and let you do the work. I start with a chant to kind of ease us into meditation. Then I'll provide you some guidance at the beginning Then there'll be a period of time where I'll just be completely quiet, and then I'll come back in with some chance to kind of ease us out of meditation, and then there'll be a period where you can ask any and all questions that you like. But before we go into meditation, just in case there's some people that haven't joined us before, or if you've got some questions about breathing mindfulness meditation, let me just pause and see if there's any questions like that. If you're in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, you can put those in the comment section. Our moderator will see that or if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions that you like.
2: Uh, It does not appear we have any questions
1: at this time, sir. All right, well, let's just go ahead and move right into meditation then. So typically when you're learning, you learn in the seated position, but you can also do the lying position or the standing position. There's another position called walking that we don't typically teach as part of online training because someone would have to follow me around with a camera, but I will instruct you on the seated position and then just know that you can do the same thing that I'm sharing with you in the lying or the standing position as well. And then the walking position, we do something a bit different with the mind. So if you're sitting in a chair, that means your feet are probably flat on the floor or maybe crossed at the ankles it's not about everybody doing it exactly the same way. It's about finding what's comfortable for you. So if you're sitting in a chair and you like your feet flat on the floor, then do that. If you like them kind of lightly cross at the ankles, then do that. If you're sitting on the floor, you might have a cushion under your rear and then cross your legs, but you would like to just cross your legs lightly. You're not interested in having them real tight because then it'll inhibit the circulation and you'll start feeling pain in the lower body. So you would like the body to be comfortable, not luxurious and not painful, but in the middle, nice and comfortable. The hands and the arms, there's a lot of different options with this. The Buddha put his right hand on top of his left with his thumbs together, and then he put that into his lap. And if that's comfortable for you, you can use that. But if for some reason that's not comfortable, Some people like to put their palms on their thighs, on their knees. Some people like to put their palms up. If you're in a chair with the armrest, you might just put them lightly on the armrest of the chair. Essentially, the lower body and the hands and arms should be completely relaxed, unengaged. There shouldn't be any muscles that are engaged. The upper body is a bit different. You would like that to be erect. By keeping the upper body straight and erect, this keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation, because this is a dedicated, active, purposeful training session where you're actively training the mind. So you need the mind to be attentive and alert. And the way that you do that is by keeping the upper body nice and straight and erect. Next, you would like to just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Here at the beginning of your meditation, you're just working to establish the breath, breathing in gradually through the nose, and exhaling gradually through the nose. You're welcome to stay here and just work on establishing the breath, or you can join with these chants that'll help ease the mind into meditation. If you know these chants, you're welcome to chant along and then I'll be back with some more guidance to help you get further into the meditation. <laughs>
3: Haka and Happy Sūpādhīpā nō Ārā āto sammā saṁ bhūtāsā Ārā Nap more a sap hakewato, a to some masam putasa. It Bija jaranang samudo, sekato rokawi tu, anu teropuri sa, dhamma sati satata
1: Okay, you should be breathing in gradually through the nose, taking a nice natural inhale, experiencing the full breath, breathing in And out. Your breath isn't going to necessarily match up to the guidance that I'm providing. This is your practice. I'm just here to provide some guidance. So wherever you get to the next inhale, breathing gradually through the nose, experiencing the full breath, And wherever you get to the next exhale, just breathe out gradually through the nose, a nice, natural breath. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in and out. Once the breath is established, start fixating the mind on the breath, either on the sound of the breath coming into the nose or the sensation of air moving over the skin into the nose. The breath is the present moment. Fixate the mind on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in, in, out. Breathing in. in, out. With the mind fixated on the breath, whenever you observe that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. No need to judge the thought, no need to analyze it, label it, or observe it. Just wherever you notice that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in in out. I'm going to be quiet now and let you do this work of focusing the mind on the breath. And wherever you observe that it's not on the breath, cut that off, let it go. And come back to the breath, the present moment. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. Just focus on the breath, breathing in in, out, breathing in, in, out.
3: Poor tongue, poor More a sap hackle at ITI PISO MAKAVAH we SAMA SAMU TO Anu tero purisa dama sati sata poto paca
1: you guys would like to gradually make your way out of meditation. So our meditation is a gradual training of the mind, as I mentioned, to reduce and then eliminate the craving-desire attachment, as well as developing mindfulness or awareness of mind and developing concentration where the mind can focus on a single object. And as you're developing your meditation practice, you would like to build up to a point where you're meditating two or three times per day for 30 minutes or more per session. That would be the ideal. If you're able to build up to that type of frequency, then that's where you'll see the most benefits and the most results. When you're meditating just for five or 10 minutes, one session per day, this is still beneficial. This is still helpful. This is still helping you get to enlightenment. And that might just be where you start. But what you would like to do is gradually expand that where you're getting closer and closer to two to three sessions per day for 30 minutes or more, because that's where you're gonna see the real results. Gautama Buddha, when he shared his teachings, and when you look into the original source teachings, you can see that he meditated three times a day. And when you build your practice up to that, should you end up doing that, That's where you'll see the most benefits and the most results, and that matches directly to what the Buddha was saying about what he did during his lifetime as well. So what I'd like to do is open up to any questions that you guys might have, whether you put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. You can put whatever questions you like about meditation or any other aspect of this path to enlightenment you can also raise your hand in Zoom and ask any questions or follow up questions directly. It looks like I've lost my connection to Zoom here, just trying to get reconnected. I'm pretty confident that still live streaming to all the locations, maybe not actually. Okay, so it looks like I've got my connection back. Looks like I lost my connection there for a little bit. Just some impermanence related to the internet connection. Uh, So I'm not sure where it got left off, but basically after meditation, I was just essentially reminding you guys about building up your practice to two to three meditation sessions a day for 30 minutes or more, because this is where you'll see the most benefits. And then I invited you guys to ask any questions that you like by putting that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or raising your hand electronically in Zoom and asking any questions that you like.
2: Yes, sir. I see that Tony has his hand raised. Let's go to him for his question.
0: Thank you, Miranda. Yes, it wasn't permanent, for sure. Uh, Yes, Teacher David, I'm experiencing a fair amount of anxiety. Like, my my body, I get a little tense, so I... I, uh, sort of anxious, and I'm just wondering, I I cut it off and then go back to the breath, and then it's sort of, even when I'm on the breath, it's it's up there a little bit. Do you have any suggestions of, of how to deal with that, sir? Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. This is very normal, Tony, that you might feel tension or anxiety or stress as you're meditating at different times. And this is just the feelings kind of bubbling up. As you accumulate more and more benefits of meditating, you'll be able to eliminate that 100%. But what you would like to do during that time is just keep focusing on the breath, really slow the breath down, bring it to almost a crawl, just barely breathing into the body. This is really going to help to slow the mind down because you're slowing the breath down and the mind is fixated to the breath. So just really focus on slowing the breath down to almost a crawl and just focus the mind on the breath. And Anytime you see the mind moves off the breath, cut that off and bring it back. Then after meditation, after everything's done and over with, if you can look back to your meditation and try to uncover what was the craving-desire attachments that was causing that anxiety or stress to arise then that's where you get real insight into the mind because now you can work on eliminating that. So let's say you were worried about finances during your meditation, or say you were worried about something with your job, or you were worried about your children, or something like this, and that's what was bubbling the anxiety up to the mind that's where you know that, okay, your mind's still attached to finances and money or wealth, or it's still attached to your kids living a certain type of life and these kind of things. And now outside of your meditation, you're going to actively work to eliminate those attachments. So in the meditation, just focus on the breath, slowing that down almost to a crawl, and then observe and analyze what's causing those discontent feelings to arise because there's some cravings, desires, attachments there, and then work on that outside of meditation. And if you're having trouble uncovering what those attachments are, that's where you can reach out to me and ask questions in all the different ways and kind of give me some insight into what were you thinking about during that time that the anxiety was bubbling up? And then I can help you uncover what the craving, desire, attachments were. And then I can also help you put a plan in place for how to eliminate those specific attachments. Thank you very much, Teacher David. You're welcome, sir.
2: Yes, sir. I had a question um, about feelings of sleepiness during loving-kindness meditation. What could be causing this and what would be some guidance on how to move the mind away from f- having those feelings during loving-kindness meditation?
1: Okay, there's a couple of things that can be happening here as somebody's doing the work in meditation it's a lot of work it's effort so the mind can become you know somewhat sleepy so that can occur then there's also just having the pollution in mind you know it's a real burden to carry around craving anger and ignorance and this can weigh on the mind and actually cause some sleepiness and then the third thing is, is someone might just be working too much and not getting enough sleep that can cause sleepiness as well so whatever is causing it, you know, it helps to see what's causing it. The sleepiness that happens because of pollution of mind, that will typically occur, you know, within the first three, six months or a year as somebody's building up their meditation practice, because that's where like their mind is heavily polluted and they're doing a whole lot of work. So that tends to happen early on in your practice. You've been meditating for longer than that. It could still be, you know, some residual craving that you're dealing with some residual pollutions of mine but it could just be from working a lot too where you're seeing that then in terms of your action one thing is you can just get some sleep if it's you know sleepiness and you just aren't getting enough sleep just be sure you're getting sleep that's one thing If you're in your meditation and you're like, well, I would like to meditate, I'm just having a little bit of sleepiness, then you change your position to either standing position or walking position. This will keep the mind more attentive and alert during your meditation. Even if you're doing loving kindness meditation, you can go do some walking meditation for five, 10, 15 minutes, and then come back to seated or lying or standing and do your loving kindness. Or if you're in seated position or lying position, you're falling asleep during loving kindness, you can stand and do loving kindness meditation standing. This will help kind of invigorate the mind. And then that'll kind of help you to be able to maintain your meditation sessions and just be aware whether you're getting enough sleep or not. You might need to kind of take a nap here and there, you know, as you age, you might find that napping is something that is uh, needed as part of your day. And as you're not only meditating, but during the day, if you're actively practicing the teachings, the mind's not quite enlightened yet, but you're actively practicing generosity and loving kindness and wisdom. You know, you're actively practicing right speech and having to work on that. You know, you've kind of got this full-time job that you're working in a resident care facility, But you also have this full-time job of getting the mind to enlightenment, which is a lot of work. So you might realize that the mind becomes a bit tired because it's doing all this work. But eventually you get to the point where that enlightenment factor of energy has arisen so well that there's the motivation, the enthusiasm, the encouragement, that you don't feel the sleepiness. But still, if you're busy and active and you're not getting a full night's sleep, then you might be a little bit sleepy. Or if you wake up extra early, like last night I went to bed at like 11.30 and I woke up around 4 a.m. and then I meditated for like 45 minutes and then I spent time working online. I helped my son get off to school. You know, I got my own food. I went to the temple, taught at the temple. I came home, did some more work online. Went out, did something during the day. Then I came home. I was here about 4:30, 5 o'clock. I was a little bit sleepy before class, so I took a little hour and a half, two-hour nap because I only had about four and a half hours of sleep last night, which was fine. You know, I woke up feeling refreshed. But having done all that work throughout the day, I needed a little bit of sleep. So, don't be shy about doing that. Sometimes people have been taught like if you're napping, like you're lazy or whatever, but If your day is full with different things that you're working on and you're putting a nap somewhere in your day, if that's what you need and you have the ability to do that, that's productive because there's productivity that's happening while we're sleeping. Sometimes people are taught that sleeping is being lazy, but in reality, you need to sleep and it's important not to be attached to sleep so that we're grumpy if we wake up and we didn't get sleep, you know, you can still sleep for a couple of hours and wake up and be refreshed when the mind's enlightened. But if we view sleep or taking a nap as lazy, then we might not decide to do that during the day where your mind just might need that as you're doing all the work that you're doing in a given day.
2: Yes. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Um, On Facebook, Tomka asks if you might share more about non-self meditation, please.
1: Sure. I can do that. So the non-self meditation, it's basically structured exactly the same way as loving kindness meditation, where you're doing affirmations. If you're doing chanting, you can ease in the mind with chanting. Then you can do a little bit of breathing mindfulness meditation for like five minutes, 10 minutes or so. And then you do those affirmations of, I am not the body. And you do that on the out breath. And then the next breath, I am not the body. And the next one, I am not the body. Next one, I am not the body. And then you go through to the next one, I am not the mind. I am not the mind. All those affirmations that are in chapter 11, you just go through those. And then if you'd like, if you like to keep meditating, you can start over. After you go through those four or five that I list there in the book, then you can start over if you like. Back to I am not the body, I'm not the mind. Go all the way through. And you're doing them repeatedly. Where in loving kindness meditation, we just say, you know, May I be peaceful. And then we go right on to the next one. May I be safe. But this one, you're repeating the same thing over and over. I'm not the body. I'm not the body. I'm not the body. I'm not the body. You know, four five times, six times with that one affirmation before you move on to the next one. And then if you'd like to start over, you can start over at the top and go right back through them again. And then do some breathing mindfulness meditation on the backside, if you like, and then some chanting. That's what you'd like to do. And then throughout your day because I know you're working on realizing non-self, Tonka, throughout your day, what you would like to do is be practicing those four foundations of mindfulness and all the other factors on the Eightfold Path as well. But specifically related to eliminating personal existence view and realizing non-self, wherever you see discontentedness arising related to the self-image or related to the self-identity, Cut that off and let it go. You should be cutting off and letting go any discontentedness that's arising. But what you need to do is get to the point where you observe that discontentedness is just bodily sensations. Because if you can get to the point where you feel that bodily sensation of pleasant feelings getting ready to arise because someone said you look so young and you look so beautiful and you start feeling that pleasantness starting to rise, you got to cut that off, not just the painful ones, but the pleasant ones too, because if you don't get a handle on those, then the painful ones are going to come in as well. So if somebody compliments you about your self-image or your self-identity, you know, you're a mom, you're a grandmother. I can't remember if you're from Hungary or or where you're from or, or some country in Europe, I think it is. If you identify with that's who you are, or if I am Canadian and you identify with that, any of these self-image or self-identity, be aware with mindfulness if there's any discontentedness arising, and then cut that off and let it go. And this will help you to be able to eliminate the personal existence view. The combination of learning what the universal truth of non-self is and learning what the personal existence view is with reflecting on that and then practicing the meditation to realize non-self. So practicing that meditation and practicing all the other factors of the path where you're cutting off and letting go. You're observing with mindfulness and then you're applying right effort to cut that off and let it go anytime you see the arising of discontentedness, all discontentedness, but particularly related to personal existence for you. You'd like to really hone in on that. And then where you see that the mind was starting to become discontent, whether it's pleasant feelings or painful feelings, then you know, like, okay, I'm taking too much pride in the way that I'm doing my hair. And when somebody compliments me on my hair, I'm getting all these pleasant feelings when someone compliments me. So you know what? I'm not going to do my hair for a few days or for a few weeks, or I'm just going to do it very simply, right? I'm just going to like make it really simple this can be a way that not only is it just the self-image, but you can look at the various pieces. If it's the hair, if it's your glasses, if it's your clothes, if it's your jewelry, if it's that you smell so great and people are complimenting you about how great you smell and you see these pleasant feelings arising, then what you should do is strip those things out of your practice so that the mind doesn't cling on to these things as part of your self image. And then same thing is if you see certain pleasant feelings or painful feelings arising about the self identity, like, oh, you're such a great grandmother, or you're such a great mother, or you're such a great worker, you know, or whatever it is that the mind you're observing, not just cutting off and letting go of the discontentedness, but then after the discontentedness is gone, really investigate what was it about the self-image or what was it about the self-identity exactly that the mind was reveling in or getting painful feelings about, because then you can take appropriate action to eliminate that from the mind, that aspect of the mind.
2: Yes, thank you sir. Mm -hmm. To kind of stem off of that, uh, the question came to mind while you were answering Tonka's question, why is non-self meditation those affirmations, why are they done differently than we do the affirmations during loving kindness meditation, sir?
1: Because you're working on a different pollution. The loving kindness meditation is working on the fetter of ill will, which is that fifth fetter, that anger, hatred, ill will, the bitterness, the aggression, the hostility. You're trying to arise this goodwill. And that's what loving kindness meditation is doing. So it's transforming that fetter. The meditation to eliminate the self or the meditation to realize non-self is uh, working on the fetter of personal existence view where the mind views this physical body or this mind as being who you are as a person. So you're kind of rewiring the mind that you're training it, like, I am not the body, I am not the body, because the unenlightened mind thinks that it is. It thinks that this body is who you are. So when you do the learning part of the personal existence view and the universal truth of non-self, and you start reflecting on it, and you start realizing, like, yeah, this body really isn't me, this isn't who I am, but still there's those cravings in the mind where when somebody says something agreeable, there's pleasant feelings. Or when someone says something disagreeable, there's those painful feelings. So you're going on a deeper level with the meditation to realize non-self to rewire the mind to say, no, you're not this body. You're not this mind. This isn't who you are. And then that works gradually over time in combination with the observation of discontentedness in daily life to be able to cut it off and let it go.
2: Okay, yes, I understand. That makes a
1: lot of sense. Thank mm. you, sir. Yeah, and the same thing, the loving kindness meditation is rewiring the mind for that ill will, right? It's kind of like building this new pathway because in the unelated mind, we hear something disagreeable. We experience those anger and then right away we revert to anger and bitterness. And that's kind of the well-worn path. We start being unskillful with our speech and our actions. But what you're doing is you're arising in fulfilling and permeating in the mind, filling up in the mind this active goodwill. So now when you hear that disagreeable thing or you hear that thing that someone's saying instead of reverting to anger, you just you just smile or you know whatever you say or you, you know however you handle it, you know however you do it, the mind is working to rewire where instead of going to anger and bitterness and hostility, You're going to either just quietness, you're going to ignore it, you're going to smile or whatever it is, and you're kind of wiring the mind to do this more and more readily with loving kindness meditation. And then still in daily life, you've got to practice. you got to practice that when you hear something or you experience something that normally would arise this ill will, you got to cut that off when you observe the bodily sensations associated with that.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, going back a little bit to changing positions during meditation, if we do have to change position during meditation, would it be wise then to kind of give the mind a couple or a few minutes to settle back down into meditation after we change position, sir?
1: Yeah, if you're moving like from walking to sitting, then, you know, you don't need to start with chanting all over again and all that kind of stuff, but you would like to work on establishing the breath, kind of get that going and rather than just plopping down and like, all right, now I'm sitting, you know, you just kind of like, you come over, you gradually, very intentionally sit down, you sit down calmly, you may kind of straighten your clothes a little bit, get everything kind of situated, very intentionally put your hands together, Very intentionally get your breath going and just kind of reestablish that and focus the mind on the breath.
2: Yes, thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does not appear that there are any other questions at this time, sir. All
1: right. Well, I would like to thank all of you for joining for the class and also invite you to join our future classes, whether it's on Sunday or Wednesday, because next Wednesday we're going to be doing loving kindness meditation together. And on this Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 22 of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. Chapter 22 is titled Mental Health, a Modern Day Delusion. And here I'm going to be refreshing your memory about the Four Noble Truths and helping you to understand what is the real cause of discontent feelings and how to eliminate them. And then we're going to be relating that understanding and that wisdom over to mental health and the way that we think about depression and bipolar and anxiety and stress and narcissism or personality disorders, hoarding, all these different things that nowadays we might refer to as mental illnesses. And some people think that the brain is defective. Instead, you can understand that it's just pollution of mind. It's just that the mind hasn't been trained. So when we train our mind through understanding the natural laws of existence that the Buddha taught, then we can get to a point where the mind's stable and steady and you're not experiencing the symptoms of something like ADHD, for example. So we'll be talking about that on Sunday. And here in about another month or so, we're going to be ending the kind of official group learning program that we've been teaching. Normally it's a seven-month program, and that's how long this program has been going on, and that'll end at the end of October. But then November and December, we're going to be doing something special. There's a whole bunch of classes that I taught in America this summer at the retreat. There's about eight new classes. There was a whole bunch of other classes that I taught too at the retreat. But there's these eight new classes that I taught at the retreat for the first time that I haven't taught online yet. So I'm going to be teaching those eight classes over the course of eight different Sundays. And I'm calling this the retreat series harmony in relationships. This is going to teach you a whole lot of things that we haven't actually discussed as part of this book, as part of this group learning program, things that I haven't shared anywhere other than that retreat in the USA. So I would like to invite you to attend that retreat series each Sunday, starting the very first Sunday of November. That'll go all the way through the end of December where there's gonna be these eight new classes that haven't been taught yet. And they're not written down anywhere in any of the books or anything that I've shared. So I'd like to invite you guys to join that. And you'll see some announcements on that coming up in our Facebook group and in our email and things like that. So thank you all again for joining for class. We'll see you in one of our future classes. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. Sawadika.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast.